Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Four games in the NHL tonight just getting underway. The Capitals and the Jets, the Blues and the Blackhawks. Later on, the Ducks play the Golden Knights and the Bruins up against the Avalanche. The Raptors leading the Pistons 31-26 after the first quarter. Dwayne Casey back in Toronto, former Raptors coach, of course, coach of the year last season. Then he was fired after they were swept by Cleveland. The Raptors cruising along with just two losses on the season, 12-2. and two. Pistons coming in at 6-6. Six and six. Your Edmonton Oilers did not practice today. Back in the win column, a convincing 6-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens last night. No update on Toby Reeder, who left that game with an upper body injury. We shall see if he's able to practice tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. Second hour of the show tonight. We will give away a pair of tickets to a little game called the Grey Cup. That'll be fun. Hey, we got a special musical selection here going back to 1989. How about it, coach? Who's between the pipes tonight? Well, let me check my roster. Rudy's on duty tonight. All right. The infamous band known simply as the Puck Boys, their 1989 classic hit, Rudy on Duty. And Rudy is also on duty on Inside Sports tonight. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Reed. You know, that I I met that guy as the lead singer, the guy by the name of Harry Perzigian. And uh, he was a real awesome guy. At the time, and uh, got to know him over the years, and uh, he was a songwriter. You wouldn't know it from that um, song because that's not very good. But he actually wrote a whole bunch of uh, songs with a bunch of people in the day, and uh, he was quite a good uh, songwriter. So he was a really huge hockey fan. He had season seats right along the first row, uh, just above the glass. It was kind of like a funky setup there at the old LA Forum. And he would stand up and yell the whole game at me. It was, it was really unnerving at first. I thought he was mad at me until I finally got to know him after a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, he's actually cheering. I thought he was, like, furious with me or something. Now, when you found out there was a song written about you 
and hockey players are known for, please don't single me out. I'm just yeah. one of the guys. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel? That exactly that. You know, it was kind of cool, though. My kids liked it. So I did get a copy, and I, we had a cassette. And, of course, uh, when I get home, or when I got home after getting the cassette, I put it in, and the kids, they loved it. They danced to it. You know, they were small girls at the time, but it was kind of cute. But other than that, it was very embarrassing. <laughs> Well, the, I, I've seen better music videos, though it does include some of your highlights. You stop Keith Kachuk cutting in, and it's uh, it's this gentleman and his band playing their instruments in the parking lot of the Great Western Forum. Uh, I, I encourage people to give this a Google. It's on YouTube, Rudy on Duty by the Puck Boys from 1989. It, it'll truly make your evening. Uh, I... <laughs> Hey, thanks for checking in. Uh, always great to have you on the show. We're, we're going to start with a bit of a, uh, well, we'll continue the, the lighter topics before we dive into some Oilers stuff. Our, our buddy Gene Principe had a, a little snippet on the broadcast about Brendan Gallagher and some members of the Montreal Canadiens rubbing pickle juice on their legs. Now, I, I, I read a little bit about this today, and apparently some athletes uh, will drink pickle juice, but they actually apply it sort of almost like you would apply a lotion. Like, what is going on here, and have you ever done anything uh, with a substance we wouldn't expect to be used that way? <laughs> no, but, you know, it was funny because as soon as you sent me the link and I watched it, it was quite a good piece by Gene, but I, I, I kind of, first of all, I Googled it after, and I was like, what are the qualities of uh, pickle juice, and why do people want to drink it? And so then... You do that, and then you see a list of a whole bunch of different things that it's uh, purported to do, which I, I think, you know, old wives' tale more more likely. But, you know, so anyways, I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, my dad used to drink pickle juice, and right out of the jar. And, and I don't know why I never asked him, and he said, it's good for you, Kelly. So I did like pickles, and I liked the juice, so every once in a while I'd drink it. I, I've certainly stopped that habit now, but... and. Uh, then I was thinking, you know, well, what qualities does it have if you put on your on your body, your legs, and everything? The, the only thing I could think of, geez, that's got to stink. And you're you know, you're on the ice. And I remember back, like I was lucky enough to have had the uh, the chance to play against Tony Esposito, and he was notorious for putting all these different lotions and balms and everything on his legs, and he, he stunk because of it. And, and and you know, as I got older, I ended up doing that, and they, like heat and different things, so that. You know, it was easier to, to stretch and so on. So I have no idea what the pickle juice does on an athlete's legs, but it, it is interesting. I've never heard of anything so bizarre. Well, and it's it's amazing if, if you believe something might work, what, what some athletes will try, right. and then a bunch of other guys will do it, especially if you're on the same team, because there, there are other players on the Canadians who apparently do this, but, but it was Gallagher that Gene uh, specifically right. talked to. Uh, the Canadians obviously were in a pickle last night against the Oilers. Uh, bad game for the Habs, good game for the Oilers. It ended 6-2. Miko Koskinen got the win for the Oilers in net. This guy during the preseason quite frankly looked like he'd never played goal before even though he'd been in the KHL and briefly in the NHL now as an oiler he's four and one with a shutout and a 918 save percentage Talbot is now five seven and one with an 895 save percentage um you know I know I hear a lot about Talbot uh by no means do I think is it time to put him on the scrap heap or forget about him I think the Oilers are going to need both goaltenders 
but it's been a long time since the Oilers had a number two who, even for a short period of time, looked like a number one. What does this do to the team and to the dynamic between the two men, Kelly? Well, I'm hoping the dynamic is uh, one that benefits both of them, that they push push each other really well. Uh, certainly when you're the number one like Talbot and you see this guy come in and he puts up uh, really good numbers and he's 4-1, and one, as you said, uh, that usually does uh, tend to motivate you a little bit more. Not to suggest you, Talbot wasn't motivated or isn't, it's just that when you get that pressure from beneath, then it really drives you to work even harder and focus more and all those little things that you have to do. So I'm with you, though, Reed. Um, you know, I give him a lot of credit, Koskinen, because he's played well. But he's certainly not the smoothest goalie I've ever seen. But uh, the results are there. You look, the past six years that he had in the KHL, those aren't flukes. I mean, he's had spectacular numbers there, good seasons there for six consecutive seasons. So, uh, you know, right now, he's 30 years old, seems to be kind of figuring it out. And I think this is a good time where if you're the Oilers, you go, you know what, this is a really good second option. And uh, like you said, I'm not ready to give up on Talbot, not even close. But right now, hey, if you can get a little push from your number two guy, I think that's nothing but great. Well, and they and they needed the pull. I mean, I don't want to overstate that win last night. I know it's all, you know, it's an, it's an individual game. It's still mid-November. But I, I just kind of felt, Kelly, that, that if you fall below 500, even if it's just a game, then you know you got to win a couple in a row to get back over it. And then if you lose a couple in a row, you're you're back under it. The, I mean, the Oilers lost some of that cushion. Well, they lost their entire cushion with that with that four game losing streak. So yeah. I just felt that was a really important one. Just to say, okay, we're back above 500. The Pacific, as we've talked about the past couple of weeks, still isn't doing that great. Dramatic win for San Jose last night, so that helped them. And I think Koskinen, like he just looked steady. I mean, I know you can argue about the second goal that it go under his arm. Okay, fine, yeah. but he only let two in, and and, and he made a short a, a save on a shorthanded breakaway when it was three two, where Montreal could have tied the game. Yeah, you know, I, I look at Edmonton, and this is a uh, a team that, uh, as you said, they needed that win last night. But we're talking about a, a different looking team than say last year. And you know, last year, right around this same time, they had the slow start, and I was giving them a break. I was saying, you know, it looks to me like there's signs that they're coming out of it, and they should be okay. They'll get on a big roll, and and that never happened. So I think after what happened last year, they do recognize to a certain degree that hey, we can't fall behind. Uh, anymore, we can't play catch up. Now they're within striking distance again because of that win last night, and they have to make sure that they're not just trying for a wild card spot. They've got to try and get in those top three in the Pacific because it makes life a whole lot easier. Instead, uh, if you're in that position instead of a wild card, and then people are still chasing you, and and then you know a good break or I mean a bad break somewhere along the way can ruin a season. Well, and one thing Rob always says is obviously the points that you're out of it is important, but it's also how many teams that you have to pass, right? Like if you're yeah. if you're three points out of a playoff spot, but there's nobody between you and that other team, you feel like okay, we get a win streak and we're fine. But if you know, I mean, if the Oilers were sixth or seventh in the division, uh, even if they were only two or three points out, I'd say yeah. But if they win, somebody else is going to win too. So I mean, yeah. they're they're doing just enough, I think, to this point. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I I think that uh, 
it looks to me, and you watch him every game, and I'm traveling, so I don't see him all the time. It looked like Dreisaitl has started to really uh, get going again, and whether he was pouting early because he wasn't playing with McDavid, I'm not sure, but he certainly looks to be the player that uh, I think we all expect him to be, too. All right, one other one for you here, Kelly. Former Edmonton Oil King. He was an excellent uh, WHL goaltender when he was in Edmonton. Tristan Jari, he has obviously been with the Penguins off and on the last couple of years, scored a goal for Wilkes-Barre in the American Hockey League last night, and he actually scored it. This wasn't a goalie getting credit because he was the last one to touch it. He uh, caught a dump in and fired it down the ice and put it in the middle of the net. The uh, 14th American Hockey League goalie to be credited with a goal. Uh, I double-checked your stats. Uh, <laughs> no, I seriously did because I was like, I'm not forgetting one. Uh, did you Did you ever come close? Did you ever shoot it at that empty net? I did not, and I'll tell you the reason why. Because uh, uh, I don't often brag about myself, Reed, but I, I actually could handle a puck really well, and I could fire a puck uh, high and hard. And so I had the ability, I, I guess, to try it. And, uh, but my first ever coach, as much as I love Al Arbor, uh, he was totally 100% against it, even if you had a two-goal cushion like Jari did last night. Uh, and so for me, it was out of the question. I think I might have attempted something like it, and uh, I recall Al getting mad at me and never try that again, and selfish, and he, all those sorts of different things that uh, uh, he would have said to me to make sure that it was, uh, in my head to never try it again. And so, you know what? I played all those years on the island, never had, uh, or I had opportunities, never tried it. And then when I went to L.A., I would have had plenty of opportunities as well, and we would have a lot of two-goal leads late in games. And I just had it in my head I can't because Al would be mad at me. <laughs> I wasn't in the same organization, so I never did. But I was always envious of guys that did and that, uh, that their coach... Uh, you know, encouraged it. Like guys like Ron Hextall and Brodeur and so on, they were never afraid to try it, and, and for uh, good reason. They were great at handling the puck as well. All right, do you get to work the Battle of Alberta on Saturday, or are you in, stu- are you in uh, studio on the panel? Studio in Toronto, so we'll still do the game, but uh, not not in person. Okay, well, that's going to be fun. Finally, a Pacific Division yep. foe for the Oilers. That's going to be a good one. Kelly, thanks for uh, rolling with us tonight. Uh, I, and before bed tonight, not red wine, pickle juice, okay? <laughs> okay, thanks for the advice, Reed. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kelly Rudy checking in on Inside Sports, of course, with the NHL on Rogers and a, a great goaltender in his career with the Islanders, Sharks, and Kings. You can text 630-630. Our open line is 78049. 60063. We have a lot to come tonight. We're going to talk to Trey Fix Wolanski of the Oil Kings leading scorer in the Western Hockey League, and we will delve. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Deeper into the situation with the Calgary Olympics and the uh, wake of the no vote at yesterday's plebiscite. All coming up. This is 
JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. And uh, Ryan King from the Eskimos in studio on Monday. Always great to catch up with him. We had the Oilers game last night. Inside Sports in this time slot for the rest of the week. We have an Oilers game Saturday at Calgary, 630 face-off show, game at 8. And then on Sunday... Vegas Golden Knights at Rogers Place, 4.30 face-off show. That game will start at 6. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Great to have you along for the ride. Some text to 6.30, Mark says, uh, uh, please, Kelly, Rudy, and everybody, keep drinking your pickle juice. It's the best probiotic you can get. It goes to your intestine where it works, unlike the over-the-counter ones that you flush every day with no effect. Mark, filling us in on the benefits of drinking pickle juice. I'll pass. Uh, RS Fox Vegas says pickle juice and Gatorade, best cure for a hangover. All right. Take your advice on that one. And uh, the Big C says it was great watching the Oilers play yesterday. I think they are a much more confident bunch in front of Koskinen. Would you start Talbot against Calgary? I would uh, personally. I would start Koskinen, and uh, then you'd play Talbot at home against Vegas. Or, I, but I mean, I guess maybe the other way of thinking is Talbot has pretty good career numbers against the Flames, and, and then you give Koskinen the home start. There, I mean, the logic would dictate, and history would dictate that they will split the games this weekend. Perhaps if they go back to Koskinen in the first of the two games, it might you know, make it more definite that they think that he's playing better lately. He is playing better lately. But I, I still think they split the two games this weekend. Then what's going to be interesting, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, I'm going into next week now, they go to California and play the Sharks, Ducks, and Kings. Those games are spaced out. Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. The Friday game is going to be in the afternoon because of American Thanksgiving. Uh you know, if Koskinen's playing well, does he play two out of the three? Could he play all three if he's if he's playing that well? Look, since he got his first start against Nashville, he has been uh, better than Talbot. Now, that doesn't mean Talbot hasn't had a couple of good outings, uh, but he has been better than Talbot. But I, I just think as we move along through the season, the Oilers will need both goaltenders this might be a situation where, uh, you know, you ride a hot hand and maybe he starts 7 out of 10, and then if he looks like he's fading, you go back to the other guy, and then maybe he'll play well enough to start 7 out of 10. It's an interesting situation for the Oilers. It is one that is different, where in the past couple of years you had Talbot and you didn't have much faith in anybody else, and if you were starting somebody, it was to give Talbot a rest. It wasn't necessarily because uh, you thought you'd that at that moment they gave you a better chance to win the game. Definitely a story to watch as we move along throughout the season. People of Calgary voting no. Voting no for the Olympics in 2026. How come? What does this mean now? Rob Breckenridge from our sister station QR770 in Calgary will join us after the news. And don't forget, between 7 and 7.30 tonight, we're going to give away two tickets to the Grey Cup. Oh, it's going to be fun, Callum. I'm going to make someone answer a trivia question live on air. That's awesome. my, my favorite thing to do. This 
is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Braden be out with an upper body injury tonight for the Washington Capitals. Phoenix Copley is the goaltender, the emergency goaltender for the Capitals tonight is Gavin McHale, who uh, works as a, a trainer and a, and a goalie coach in Winnipeg. This is interesting for me because in the 06-07 hockey season, Gavin McHale was a goaltender for the Lloydminster Bobcats in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and I, I covered him and his games while he was playing for the Bobcats. A uh, big guy, six foot seven, now 31 years of age, so he gets uh, signed to uh, a, a contract for uh, for today to play for the Washington Capitals in Winnipeg. Capitals looking good so far tonight, up one nothing on the Jets. 13 minutes into the game, and they are out shooting the Jets 8-1. Blues and Blackhawks are scoreless in the first. Later on tonight, Boston at Colorado, and the Ducks play the Golden Knights. NBA tonight, Raptors up 65-53 on the Pistons. They are at halftime. Leonard with 16 to this point to lead the Raptors. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. And the city of Calgary, the plebiscite, 56% no towards pursuing the 2026 Olympic Games. Mayor Nahed Nenshi was asked, well, so, okay, what, so you're going to go after uh, 2030 now? What's the deal? For me, let's just say it would take a lot to convince me that we'd want to put the community through this again for 2030. All right. Well, I guess you can't just keep pushing it back and say, let's try uh, four years later. To talk more about this, pretty interesting story from our uh, sister station in Calgary, QR770. It is Rob Breckenridge. Rob, welcome to Inside Sports. You're on with Reed. How have you been? Well, I've been pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you host a talk show. I guess this was uh, one where you weren't scrambling for ideas or content <laughs> where you came, in, came into work. Well, oh my goodness, yeah. It, really, uh, certainly the past couple of weeks, it's just been uh, a crazy roller coaster around this issue. But the funny thing is, Reed, I mean, you know, we've been talking about this for like two years at least. It's, it's just, it's surprising how long this has been out there. And it is, I mean, look, I, I was uh, certainly more of a, a skeptic of the idea, more so on, on the no side, but uh, it was just weird to see it all suddenly come to an end just in one fell swoop last night. It's, it's been quite something. Uh, so give me a, give me a little bit of the background here. Why why was it decided first of all that this needed to go to a plebiscite? Because there are a lot of significant headline civic issues that never go anywhere near a plebiscite. Why why this one? Yeah, well, I, I think for a few reasons. I, I think that other cities have kind of established the precedent that maybe this is something you ought to do. I, I think boosters realize the, the risk in that, uh, looking at how it's gone in other cities. Uh, although, interestingly, Stockholm uh, rejected uh, a, a bid for 2022 in a plebiscite. Stockholm is now one of two remaining bids right. standing to get these Olympics. So, you know, maybe 2030 is not out of the question. But uh, you know, I mean, look, other other cities have done so. I think it's seen as one of those things that's kind of unique. It's outside the, the normal course of uh, day-to-day governing. The funny thing is, though, we did, there was real resistance at, at City Hall. There were a couple of city councillors, uh, you know, certainly back in, in 2017, really started to push the issue. Uh, city council voted against it when they had the opportunity. It was really only until the province came forward and said, 
look, we'll put up some money for this, but it's contingent on there being a yes vote in a plebiscite. City Council was left with no choice. Now, the Alberta government ended up putting a, a good chunk of the bill for the plebiscite, but uh, it, they kind of forced the city's hand on that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know this this was non non binding, but it I mean, it fifty six percent, you know, seems seems pretty convincing. And I think what was it about a forty thousand gap in votes? So that's a pretty good chunk of of, of voters. Uh, yeah. Like, is there any way this is an, an ember of this is going to somehow stay alive and and come alight eventually? No, I, I mean, I don't think so. Just yeah. between the fact that you know it wasn't really close, uh, and and also the fact that now you know the province. Their, their money's off the table. The federal money's off right. the table. So uh, it would be virtually impossible for this city council to say we're going to go in the face of uh, you know the, this overwhelming vote and we're going to somehow pay for it all ourselves. Uh, so no, this thing is dead. It sounds like Monday they'll kind of go through the motions and uh, make it official. But uh, yeah, that that's that's that for this idea. Maybe a totally hypothetical question from a sports guy that, that you might laugh at, but like, would have would have there been a yes vote? Like would have would have fifty two percent yes been enough, or would have it had to been a really like sixty percent yes for it to be convincing? You know, and it's an interesting question, and I think you know even had the the CEO, the big corporation, uh, I think it was last week she was doing an interview, suggest that she would was hoping for you know maybe closer to sixty, a little bit more of a resounding victory because. You know, you had this weird uh, spectacle a couple of weeks ago where, uh, you know, there was all of this uncertainty about the, the funding arrangement, and, you know, you actually had a majority of city council, eight to seven, vote to just end the whole thing, cancel the plebiscite, be done with it. But because it was a reconsideration of a previous council decision, they needed 10 votes. So uh, you, you already had a majority of council say we should just walk away from this. I suspect if it had been, you know, 50 plus one for the yes side, there, there might have still been an appetite to say, you know, that's really not enough of a mandate. You know, people are leery about this. It, it, it could have been in trouble, I think, even if it squeaked by on, on the S side. Rob Breckenridge joining us on Inside Sports tonight, uh, afternoon host on uh, Global Radio QR 770 in Calgary, uh, our sister station, as we talk about the uh, Calgary uh, Olympics, or, or I guess now the lack of them, <laughs> and yesterday's plebiscite. Okay, I mean, I think we got to tie this into, though, some other issues with pro sports in Calgary. Uh, and, and, you know, the Flames want a new rink. And uh, it's not happening. The Olympics aren't happening. How does this? How does this tie into what the Flames are after, and and potentially their future in the city? Well, it might end up working out well. Interestingly enough, I mean, the arena saga here has has been an interesting one, and and people may know that, you know, it, it kind of culminated in just a, an ugly break off last year, right around the time of the municipal election, where the, the Flames seemed to have lost patience with with Mayor Nenshi and and kind of vice versa. Uh, and the Flames announced that that's it, you know, we're done, we, we, we're not interested in a new, a new arena, you know, we're not going to talk anymore. Um, there had been an effort by some on city council to maybe start from scratch and, and try to get things going again. And, you know, I think now that the, the Olympic thing has, has dropped off, that's not going any further. You know, it might be something else for city council to, to look to, to let's find a way to create this in a way that gets people excited. I mean, there is a risk, and obviously Edmonton went through it, where these kinds of debates can get divisive, but mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity to say, okay, you know what, we're not going to do the Olympics, but uh, you know, here's a project, here's a way in which the city can really get something out of it. Uh, obviously the Flames are looking for something. 
it, it could get some traction. I think, you know, Calgary's in a position where we've had a rough couple of years, and people are looking for something to get excited about, and that, that certainly sustained the Olympic dream for a while. Uh, so there may be a way of packaging a, an arena deal in, in that way, that here's something that'll maybe galvanize the city, just seem like, like something exciting is, is happening. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, angst about, you know, the concerts that are passing Calgary by and, and seem to be landing in Edmonton. So there may be some momentum behind that, and maybe it's an opportunity to, to bring that back to the forefront. Okay, interesting. And, and I wonder, too, uh, I mean, I'm going to get a little bigger picture with you here because it's interesting to talk about, how because the Flames own the Stampeders too, right? So they, they would prefer yeah. to get a, a better football stadium. And just as an aside, Rob, I was surprised because the word was a couple of years ago, you know, Edmonton and Calgary bid on the 2018 Grey Cup and that the Stampeders did it specifically because they knew they were going to lose and then they could go complain about... Um, not having a nice enough stadium to host the Grey Cup, though then they went ahead and got 2019 anyway, which I found kind of interesting. Uh, but is 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 there still the Flames slash Stamps tying this all together that we got to p- replace McMahon as well? Well, and, and that's kind of been uh, on the back burner because part of the arena debate was uh, a vision that the Flames had uh, where it would have combined uh, an arena, a stadium, and, and a field house all in one big giant mega complex. Um, City Council was really not that excited. Uh, City Council had other ideas. You know, the Flames wanted to build on the west side of downtown. The city likes the idea of building on the east side of downtown with the actual core of downtown kind of caught in the middle of all of this. So um, after that that, uh, big mega project uh, stadium arena hybrid idea kind of died, the McMahon Stadium kind of dropped off the radar. Um, So it's not clear where that fits in. I, I think... For now, if there is going to be an arena project that's most likely going to be just a standalone arena event center kind of thing on, on the east side of downtown. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting question what happens with McMahon. Uh, obviously, it's, it's on university property. The university also has, has a role in the stadium. Maybe there's a way through the university or, or maybe through the province that uh, something can be done there. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, the Flames are going to see if they can reinvigorate this, this original idea they had. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's unclear where, where, where the stadium stands, because certainly McMahon is, is getting really up there right. <laughs> in years. And, you know, it's, it's something the uh, Stampeders fans grumble about, that it's just, you know, it's not a great experience going to the games, and, uh, you know, something's got to be done. Well, it'll host the uh, West Final on Sunday. You're going to like, I'm sure you know this, and your station carries the games like we do. Uh, Calgary-Winnipeg last met in the West Final in 1965 when it was still a best of three. <laughs> they haven't done that <laughs> for right. a while. They haven't done that for a while. They played in a couple of great cups, obviously, while Winnipeg was uh, was in the East. So, Rob, let me, let me throw this one at you. To, what does this say to you about the, the Olympics as a whole? Because it seems like a lot of cities are kind of saying... Like, not just Calgary, you mentioned Stockholm and, and other places around the world are kind of saying, okay, we get it, it's it's cool, it's a big sporting event, but man, it's expensive, and man, do we yeah. really want to get into bed with the IOC. I mean, what does this say about the future of the Olympics? And, like, the IOC is not all of a sudden going to change and start doing things more efficiently, I don't think. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not optimistic either. But maybe if it if it becomes a real crisis for them, they may not have might not have a choice to. Um, look, if they can get through 2026 uh, in the Winter Olympics, obviously they got the uh, 2024 and 2028 Summer Olympics. 
uh, they, they have the weird step of, of announcing both of those at, at yeah. the same time. They're at least covered for now. But, yeah, going forward, I mean, if, if cities aren't interested in being part of this, I mean, the whole model of the IOC was to do this like an auction, essentially, where cities line up and, you know, offer to throw all kinds of money at them. It's, it's not that way anymore. And, you know, the funny thing is about 2026 is, You've got Stockholm and you've got this uh, combined uh, bid in Italy. The Stockholm municipal government says they're not putting any money into it. Uh, the Italian federal government says they're not putting any money in, into that bid. So I, even the two remaining, reader, on pretty shaky grounds. And, you know, for the IOC to have to face the prospect of uh, zero bids and scrambling to find a, a plan B... Maybe that might be the wake-up call the organization really needs. But, yeah, you can look at the vote in Calgary. I mean, it was a lot of things. It was repudiation, I think, of, of the mayor and city council. It was, uh, you know, maybe Calgarians just expressing their frustration with all three levels of government. But it was also a rejection of the IOC. And, and even though Calgary prides itself on being a winter sports city, there are still fond memories of 88. I think people see the Olympics and the IOC as, as a much different beast, and, and clearly they, they took a path. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to have to eventually just start giving it to countries. You know, like the World Cup is not in uh, Rome. It's in Italy, right? right? And the, obviously the one coming up is going to be in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. I mean, maybe that's what they're going to have to go with the Olympics, where Canada would host the Winter Olympics and skiing's in Whistler's and, and hockey's in Edmonton and Calgary. And Bob, You know what I mean? Maybe that's how they're going to have to go. Yeah, it might come to that. Or maybe, maybe I don't know, does anyone want to be the permanent host? I mean, maybe it, a good point, yeah, yeah. it comes down to that. Who knows? I mean, you know, it might be time to start thinking that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they and they can all compete in the nude like they used to in ancient Rome. No, I'm, getting, <laughs> getting, I'm taking it way too far. Forget about that, Rob. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I, know, I, know, uh, I know you're busy with this, and obviously your sports guys are busy getting ready for the West Final, so it's a fun week for you guys. Thanks for checking in tonight. Yeah, no problem, Reed. Thanks. That is Rob Breckenridge checking in from QR770 in Calgary. So uh, they shoot down the Olympics for 2026. Doesn't look like they're going to go for 2030. And uh, there we go. No Olympics down the highway. Would I mean, that that's the question. Do, when it comes right down to it, would, would you want your city to host the Olympics? Is it is it worth it for those... 17 days, you know, for all the money you got to spend and infrastructure you got to make sure you have, you know, so, you know, 50 years down the road, your name's on a list of cities that host it. Is it, is it really worth it? And, and some of the larger cities, eh, yeah, you know, I know London, LA is getting it again, but I know whenever people talk about, well, should New York host the Olympics? A lot of people say, why does New York need to host the Olympics? It's New York. It's like it's it's reputation's pretty good. It's you know, if you made a list of the, the cities that you could would be capital of the world if you had to present Earth to the aliens, it would be on the short list. So does it need to host the Olympics? And then if you're a you know, a smaller city or, you know, a you know, another city not in the class of the New York, London's and Paris's of the world, is is it worth it to go through the expense and the rigmarole? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to stage the Olympics in your city.
going to be interesting to see how cities approach this going forward. Quick timeout, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. To McDavid, one-timer, Benning missed the net, banked off the Emmy, and in! Matt Benning off the end boards, off the Emmy, and Edmonton a 1-0 lead at 313. Jujar Kara out to the point, Gravel, fake shot, Rister, score, Chris Russell. Brodziak set the screen, and Chris Russell becomes the second Edmonton defenseman to score tonight. Dishes off. McDavid cuts to the middle. Back to Nurse. Shoots and scores. 6-2. And Darnell Nurse, with his second of the year, becomes the third different defenseman to find the back of the net tonight. And that doesn't happen a lot for the Oilers. In fact, that's only the fifth time it's happened since the lockout wiped out the 04-05 season. In January of 06, Steos, Pronger, and Bergeron scored in the same game for the Oilers. In November of 08, Surrey, Visnovsky, and Gilbert had goals. Kellen's getting a kick out of hearing some of these names. This is a blast from the past, man. In March of 2015, a little more recent, Nikitin... Schultz and Davidson and then in February of 2016 Sekera, Fain and Davidson now those games were all on the road so first time at home since the lockout killed the 0405 season that three different Oilers defensemen have scored in the same game the Oilers went into last night's game with three goals from their D and they got three and one beating the Montreal Canadiens 6-2 all right we will take a break for the 7 o'clock news. Trey Fix Wolanski, absolutely on fire for the Edmonton Oil Kings. He leads the WHL in scoring. His point scoring streak has hit 10 games. They just beat Lethbridge on Monday. They're getting set to go back to Lethbridge for a game on Friday. Trey Fix Wolanski will join us when we get back. And uh, don't forget around 7.15-ish. We're giving away great cup tickets. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.